Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. is in. I know. Finally, a fresh face. <laughs> Joe made the announcement on his uh, social media platform, Western Union. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't even get through his own punchline. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Wow. Wow, that's what we call a narrative in the narrative business. He's an old guy. Hmm. Hmm. People don't seem to mind. Flash in the pan. That's my prediction. That's your prediction? I know. Mm-hmm. Going against all the conventional wisdom, except for that which agrees with me. Uh, I just, he's not good at it. His, his, uh, Joe Biden's comfort with being off script, off the cuff, is refreshing. And it's charming when it works. It frequently doesn't work. He raised a gazillion dollars after he announced the other day, which I found interesting since everybody knew he was going to do it anyway. What were you all waiting for? But... Maybe there was nowhere to send the money. But he raised a gazillion dollars in the first 24 hours, which you would think would be a good sign. Anyway, we'll see. we got a lot. Of, we got a long way to go. Yeah. Taking the pulse of the American people, Jack, a couple of poll results I found uh, intriguing. Number one, uh, people are tweeting this about the average presidential approval ratings through this point in the term. Yeah, Trump's is low. Via ABC Post and Gallup polling. And uh, from Kennedy on, Kennedy at this point was at 73%. Uh, W. Bush, 71, then you got 70, 69, Obama's 55, Reagan, 55, Carter, 52, for instance, Clinton, 51, Ford, 47, Trump, 38. Carter was at 52 for for his average or at this point? At this point, average. Okay. Right. And then he, and he lost. Uh, yes, he did. Yeah. That's something. Malaise, et cetera. Um, <laughs> just a <laughs> quickie history there for you. Um, but what is missing from this analysis, I think, is that while Trump has uh, got record high disapproval numbers, I mean, that's undeniable, he had no honeymoon. He had no six months to a year of pretty high approval ratings because everybody's fine. Let's see what this guy does. Um, no, he started with the meow hats and the, the the women's march thing and the the collusion hoax was at a fever pitch. He had no honeymoon, um, which is ironic since he's been married several times. I just, I just don't think any previous rules apply, right? When with Trump as president, that's what I'm saying. There's just no point looking at precedent and trying to make a prediction. Rasmussen says 73 percent of voters believe it is appropriate for the U.S. Census Bureau to ask. Residents, if they are citizens of the United States. What percent? 73%. I guessed it would be very high. Yeah, it, it's self-evident to me. It's a perfectly sure. reasonable question. Of course it is. Yeah, you're a green card holder. You What are you? We're just trying you to get an idea of the You've got to know how many people you have, and you need to know how many of them are illegal. You just do. Right. Um, only 18% disagree and believe the citizen question is inappropriate. You wouldn't take that from the mainstream media. Leaving the inevitable 7%. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that means, even. 
there's a bit of a divide in that almost 90% of Republicans believe that asking about citizenship is appropriate, but 68% of independents and even 64% of Democrats say, yeah, it is. So even two-thirds of Democrats say, yeah. You can ask that on the census. Well, and I tell That's you, crazy. You'd never take that through the media. The, the modern world makes me so nuts because it just, it, it exists. The, the only discussion that exists is like the the charge and maybe the counter charge. And then everybody stops talking. Well, the, the, the great uh, theory is, well, this will reduce uh, response and then we'll lose uh, uh, representatives and, and, and not get an accurate count because people will be afraid to uh, to answer the question. Well, my... It just genius. I mean, like if Einstein and Galileo had internal vitro in vitro fertilization and produced the greatest genius mankind has ever known. My response to well, people might be intimidated and not answer is well, why don't you come up with a way to assure them that it's okay to put out a PR campaign saying. There will be no repercussions. You can say anything you want. If you say, no, I'm an undocumented immigrant, I'm an illegal immigrant, nothing will happen. We swear on George Washington's grave. Well, well only 18% of people seem to be concerned about that argument anyway. Right. So, but here's, right, and here's the punchline. So you got 18% objection to this, and yet it seems to be it, likely it's not going to happen, depending on what the soups decide, the uh, Supreme Court. Um, and there's an easy counterargument to that 18%, and yet we'll probably stumble on that point. We'll probably get stuck on it. On a completely different topic, Chris Groh joins us. Chris is a reporter for CBS 8 KFMB-TV, uh, the mighty news leader in San Diego, and uh, Chris is reporting on the Army vet who chased after the uh, synagogue shooter in Poway. Chris, welcome. How are you? Uh, good morning, guys. I'm, I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're, we're great. So a good guy with a gun appeared on the scene. What do we know about this Army vet? Why did he happen to be there? Uh, well, actually, the Army veteran was, was attending uh, services. As we know, it was the last day of Passover there on Saturday. He was actually unarmed, um, but it was uh, a really kind of a, a decision that he made. Normally, he actually attends services. He likes to sit in the front row. Um, this is what he told us. And uh, essentially, he made this, you know, benign decision to kind of sit in the back, which ended up, um, you know, allowing him to chase after this gunman. So when this gunman uh, storms in, um, he's actually able to, you know, run towards uh, what he described as the gunshots that rang out there early um, and was actually able to to do so in in large part because he was physically closer uh, because he made this decision. Uh, the gentleman that was armed uh, was Jonathan Morales. Uh, we've, we've since learned from the rabbi uh, that he had recently actually discovered his Jewish roots, had been traveling uh, from El Centro because he's a Border Patrol agent, and he uh-huh. happened to be armed. Uh, the rabbi actually asked for him to come to services armed uh, because the uh, in some interviews the rabbi has expressed that they, they just didn't have the financial means to hire some, some security, some armed security. Um, and so he said, uh, look, you're a Border Patrol agent. When you're off duty, when you're with us, feel free to be armed. Wow, that's um, interesting. Yeah. So, so the, two, two the kind of, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, those are two decisions that maybe weren't made, obviously, uh, w- with any thoughts towards something like this happening that, that ended up maybe potentially, obviously, saving countless lives. Yeah, so the Iraq war vet who who ran at the shooter, 
Um, he says he doesn't even know why he did it. He said the, the shots were fired, everybody ran the other way, and he said, I ran at the guys yelling. He said, I'm not even exactly sure why I did it. Wow. Um, how did he not get shot? Uh, I, I don't know. There there have been some talks. We haven't had this actually confirmed, I, I don't believe, yet uh, by law enforcement, but the uh, Rabbi Goldstein has expressed that potentially the gun might have jammed. That that could be potentially why. Um, but, but yeah, Oscar um, said that when he ran straight at him that, that the gunman actually lowered his weapon, um, and that that was kind of when he knew uh, to kind of keep chasing after him, right. uh, if you will. And that's what it freaked him out, thank okay. God. Yeah, I, he ran at him screaming, saying, I'm going to kill you. And, and uh, you know, he, he completely changed the narrative in this stupid, ang- angry coward's head. He would just wade in there, slaughter the innocent, and then be Mr. Uh, Mr. Powerful. But no, this uh, this combat vet changed the uh, the narrative for him, and it's just a beautiful thing. And then you've got another guy willing to engage and, and you know, go toward the trouble instead of away from it. It really... It really is a beautiful story of heroism. Chris Groh, reporter for CBS 8 KFMB-TV. Hey, Chris, thanks for uh, straightening that out for us. Uh, well done. Thank you. No problem. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, it, it is heroism. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, but also, we just need to figure out what works in these situations. Right. Um, you know, sometimes the heroism is what's most likely to save your life. Uh but God dang it, I don't know. It's a crapshoot when those things happen. But yeah. confronting the gunman always seems to lead to fewer deaths. Mm-hmm. Of course, you don't hear much about the people who ran at the government gunman and were shot where they stood in all these various situations because they're not there to tell their story. Yeah, well, somebody needs to tell their story, though, because that's, you know, if you send enough people at them, you will get them. Oh, no doubt. But some people no will doubt. be lost, and, no and they need to be hailed, you know, like those who survive. Yeah, I want to talk a little later about you know, the continued violence, anti-Semitism, uh, you know, anti-Christian violence in places, anti-this, that, the tribalism thing. Over on CNN, they're trying to blame Trump, which is fine. Go ahead. You can pitch that idea if you want. What I see is a society, a media, a university system, coast to coast, pitching the idea of my subtribe, my tribe, my tribe, my tribe. Over and over and over again. Proudly, angrily. But then if somebody from a tribe decides the other tribe threatens them or whatever, rightly, wrongly, insanely, mentally ill, whatever, they say, oh, no, no, that's Trump. You can't abandon the idea of all human beings are beautiful. We don't prejudge people because of their race or their religion. And then expect not to have ugly repercussions. College professors indoctrinating kids every single day that all that matters is their tribe. That's all that matters. There's a hierarchy of tribes, too. There's an evil tribe, and we're the good tribe. you got to stop. And I wonder if, uh, if, like, this sort of thing, is this part of a... You know, rising anti-Semitism or whatever, or is it just a different, you know, it's the the sad, angry coward who wants to make a name for themselves with their manifesto and have their picture on the TV. They just chose this instead of a school. Yeah, I think there's some of that, sure. Yeah, the rise of the I'm angry so I get to hurt people 
trend, and the media will tell everybody what I'm mad about. Right, exactly. Yeah, which is very important. And I saw a really cool picture of the guy last night on TV. Particularly, if I was his PR guy, I would have picked this picture. He looked really cool in this picture. Great, great. And he fought fame with blood. Yep. Give him plenty of fame, media. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Watched Spider Verse again yesterday. Speaking of this song, but my oldest really wants to go see Revengers. Mm. Take um, the boy. But some of his friends have gone already. Has he seen the Infinity War? What's the Infinity? It's War? the first half of this one, essentially. No. Okay. Would that be a good idea? It might help, but ultimately, I think he'd enjoy it either way. Okay. Infinity War is a good title because those movies seem like they go on forever to me sometimes. Punching, more punching, different I, punching. I came across this in the uh, Washington Post. Flying around and punching. <laughs> yes. Now jumping and punching. <laughs> now running and punching. Spring cleaning 2019, eight things to toss. And I thought it was going to be, you know, your old uh, gym shoes or whatever. But right. no, it's things we just need to get rid of in society. Uh, and, and I agreed with many of them, didn't agree with some of them. Some of them we've talked about for years. Date, and there's a there is an essay written on each one of these topics by a particular person. And one of them was daily stock market updates. Oh, yeah. Maybe everybody's finally catching on to what we've been saying for years. They're pointless. And it makes the same point in the article we've been saying. There's practically nobody who's living the life where you need to know on an hourly basis what the stock market's doing. And every single one of those people... Already know. Right. Get the information from not the radio honey, station. Or honey, the... be quiet. i got to wait till the top of the hour when the, the TV station tells me what the stocks are doing because I'm a day trader. Nobody. Nobody. And if even if you're going to do it, don't do the Dow Industrial Average. There was a long article about getting rid of perfume, how it's outlived its usefulness or something like that. But it was anyway, it was the idea that and like at Macy's. I'm in favor of that. At Macy's, I, I knew you would be. At Macy's, yeah. for instance, they have a thousand different fragrances. Wow. A thousand different options. Wow. It's too many. But well, no, on, it's not the Middle Ages. You don't have to cover your stink anymore. Much like cigarette smoke, this is an assault on everyone whenever you wear your uh, your fragrance. You wouldn't shove your blasting headphones in everybody any, everybody's ears or force your coworkers t- to eat your salmon surprise for lunch. So why should you nonchalantly, olfactorily overload them? Uh, why would that be any different? So. I figured you'd agree with that. You're anti-perfume. I don't, yeah, I don't like it. I don't think about it that much. but yeah. It is kind of funny. It still exists. We don't need to cover up body odor really anymore. Yeah. I don't know Most that I'm us. allergic to it. Some people say they're allergic. I know some give me a headache, though. I mean, honest to God, like make me nauseated. That's weird. Um, getting rid of uh, another thing we should throw out with spring cleaning, school portraits. And there's a long article about how school <laughs> portraits came to be a, a thing in the early 1900s and how photography was expensive and here was an opportunity to have one picture 
you know, that you could afford the school and blah, 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 and dress yeah. up and everything. And then, then this writer says, I have 10,000 photos of my kids. I do, too. So it is kind of funny, the idea of now we're going to do one more on this particular day through the school and I'm going to pay 40 bucks. Why it's am I doing be this? extra expensive to get print. <laughs> right. So that I know what my kid looked like that school year. I've got yeah. 500 pictures. Yeah. It is kind of nice because it's a fairly regular timeline mm-hmm. of nice pictures. But, yeah. Eh. <laughs> it does. It is kind of I my case, Your yeah. Honor, because I... <laughs> I don't care that much. Uh, the defense rests. And, and older kids, <laughs> teens and college kids, don't seem, seem to have any problems taking photos of themselves and friends. It's hard to see the value of posed school portraits on top of all that and what we pay. That's a decent one. I uh, tell you what, this is it's a guy thing. Obviously, it's a guy thing. But being at the park for like an hour and a half, taking prom pictures a couple of years ago, just endless, endless pictures. Everybody, then this combination, then that friend group, then that couple, then the rest of it. Let's do it. Let's do some more over here. And over, Ended up with dozens and dozens and dozens of pictures. How many of which will ever be looked at again? Right, no kidding. It was, I think it was just, uh, it was some sort of throwback and the women enjoyed it and all, but it's also crazy to me. And they all each have hundreds of pictures of each other, all those people that were involved. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like a festival of sorts. I mean, there should have been a band and, and like a caterer and stuff, because it just went on and on and on. I'm a guy, but I, ceremony. I had no pictures of my friends in high school, because I didn't have a camera I took to school or anything like that. But now you would, right? Everybody would have pictures of everybody. Yeah, all that's why the yearbook and... was fun. You'd actually have yeah. a picture of somebody, you know, playing ball or whatever. Other things to throw out with spring cleaning I won't get into in detail. Responding to email, this person makes an argument about how on a, with a quick phone call you can cut down on your email a lot. Yes. Back and forth email conversations, have a short phone call, group call or whatever like that. But my favorite one to get rid of, I'll do right before the news. All right. Joe, well, I don't know if he'll agree or disagree with this. What's coming up? I'll be vehement. Either way. With an exclamation point. Yes! What, uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Bravery, courage in the face of a synagogue shooter. Senator Lindsey Graham. Trump did nothing wrong. No reason to impeach. And some adults, it turns out, may need booster shots even if they were vaccinated for measles. We'll get into that. Yeah, I, heard that. I was wondering about that. Do, do I need to get a shot again? Let's Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> Before we get to news, the final thing the Washington Post says we need to throw out with spring cleaning, that's the overuse of exclamation marks, exclamation points. It's become an obligatory punctuation version of the standing ovation. (laughs) An obligatory performative demonstration of enthusiasm meant to reassure their users they've had a good time or can provide one. That salad, delicious. That meeting, productive. In text and in social media, lest one be read as frostily sarcastic, every greeting must be a hi with an exclamation point, and every expression of gratitude, thanks! And the result of all that thrilled intensity, if everything's exciting, ultimately nothing is. That's my problem. Right. I, I just think it's an effort to make online life, online exchanges with people... There's got to be a better term, maybe non-in-person interchanges, more human, because otherwise it comes off as robotic. Thank you for the salad. We had a wonderful time, period. 
Because there's no inflection. There's no uh, facial expression. There's no whatever percent you say that is nonverbal. Most people are not talented enough writers to convey emotion simply through words. So they rely on things like emojis and, and punctuation marks to get through the, the tone that they're trying to do because it's hard to write compelling stuff. Well, well and time-consuming. Yes, yes. In very many words. I've never used an exclamation point. Really? Ever. Question mark, explanation, <laughs> exclamation point. Thanks. That's some advanced stuff there. That was a great meeting. You're right, but because everybody has overused it, in my opinion, if I write good meeting and just leave it there, it's going to sound like I said, oh, good meeting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but then won't we all just... Won't it, won't, won't it run its course to where then, it, like it said here, if everything is exciting, nothing is exciting? Right! What do, you, what do you say if something actually is a good meeting, or the salad was delicious? Then you have three exclamation points. Okay. It's easy. <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, funeral services are scheduled today for the woman who was shot and killed at a Southern California synagogue. 60-year-old Lori Gilbert Kay was at the Habad of Poway on the last day of Passover, honoring the memory of her late mother. She reportedly jumped in the line of fire to save Rabbi Israel Goldstein as the shooter opened fire. There you go, stupid, worthless, angry coward. You killed a nice old lady. Way to go. Way to strike a blow against her for whatever, you moron. You stupid, stupid moron. We need a little more of that in our society and a little less turning them into some sort of Avengers anti-hero on the news, please. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina continued his stalwart defense of President Trump's conduct over the weekend on Face the Nation, saying Trump did nothing wrong, nothing that would warrant his impeachment and removal from office. I believe the president did nothing wrong. Whether you like him or not, I'll leave that up to you. But this is but a, even the pressuring Don McGahn to fire the special okay, counsel. He may not gonna, have done if, it. If you're going to let that be the standard of impeachment, that you have an interaction between a White House counsel and a president that, that you find uncomfortable, then we'll have nobody served. Graham going on to say that, you know, if you just have a run-in with an underling as subordinate, you give orders and nothing came of it, then there's no reason to impeach anybody. So he's a powerful guy. He's the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he says he's done with that whole thing. Yep, yep. We're not we're not looking into it at all. It's over. Uh, you know, it's just so obviously a fundraising ploy and a keeping the base whipped up ploy because... There's virtually nobody who thinks, just in terms of strategy, if you like the Democratic Party, you want more Democrats in power, you'd like a Democrat in the White House. I think the single worst thing you could do is is try to impeach Donald J. Trump. So, and the smart people know that. So is it just what I've taken to calling the college girl wing of the party, AOC, and and, and oddly, Maxine Waters is an honorary member, although she's older than Oxford. Um, we'll have to play, pushing this. I have to play uh, Judge Napolitano, the, the, the judge that's on Fox all day long. He's got a string of he, things he thinks from the Mueller report that are clearly obstruction of justice by the president. And you have to impeach over them. Old Andy Napolitano. This is interesting. It's a little wacky. South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete is sitting down with Reverend Al Sharpton today in New York City. Ah, boy. Democrats lynching with the civil rights activists. I can't believe that. Now, I said this exact same thing about Trump years ago. I just couldn't believe that Mitt Romney and all these candidates would go to New York and meet with Donald Trump. And I always thought, why? 
Who thinks they have to meet with Donald Trump to get the nomination or become president? And then, you know, obviously, look what happened. Now they all do it with Al Sharpton on the Democrat side. I think, why do you think you have to go meet with Al Sharpton and get his blessing before you can become the nominee? It just seems crazy to me. It's bizarre to me. He's he's a con man. It's all he's ever been. If you didn't go, what would happen to you? Anything? Just don't go. All right, my friends, some adults vaccinated for measles may need a new dose. Amid the outbreak in the U.S. that's the worst in 25 years, the Centers for Disease Control is saying that you should look at your vaccination records to figure this out. People vaccinated in the U.S. since 1989 will most likely have gotten two doses of the measles, mumps, and rubella MMR shots, which is considered the standard for protection. But if you were vaccinated between 1963 and 1989, you probably only got one dose, and many of those in the earlier years in that group got an inactivated version of the virus, both of which are less effective. So I need to get a measles shot. Yep. Wow. That's the recommendation of the CDC. Wow. I wonder if the uh, big uh, health companies and all the insurance uh, programs will be sending out the mass emails to their people, uh, instructing people to do this. I wonder if it's, you know, that serious a need. I don't know. I'd hate to get the measles. Oh, yeah. Jeez, that suck. Yep. Americans born but uh, before 1957 are supposedly considered immune since they would have been exposed to the virus in various outbreaks early on. That's the look at your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Good news! Exclamation point. Marshall? And to put an exclamation point Thank on you. that. Well done! <laughs> What's the stock market doing? You know, I'm serious about it. Now, see, we're actually speaking to each other, so you don't need that. It's in the cold, sterile, impersonal world of texting and online communication you need to overdo it. There's some new polling out from the Washington Post ABC. It's kind of interesting on a variety of fronts. We could touch on that if you want. We got to do uh, Sean's thirty-second Game of Thrones recap. I suppose we ought to get to that sooner rather. It's a ninety-minute episode. I don't get more than thirty minutes or thirty seconds. I do have a question about it, as I'm a fan of battle scenes in movies. Always have been, and this is supposed to be the greatest one of all time. Uh, stay tuned to this program. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Avengers is in theaters. There's an all-new Game of Thrones, and the NFL draft is underway. At some point, Netflix is going to be like, where the hell did everyone go? Come on! Binge me! Binge me, please! Uh, We will get a 30-second Games of Thrones recap from Sean here in just a moment or two, okay? As it is a recap of the episode, it will talk about what's in the episode. Ipso facto, it will contain spoilers. It's hard for me to believe we have to explain that. (laughs) The Game of Thrones recap the day after the episode, a number of people were outraged. Then there were spoilers in the recap. Uh, did you oh. see, where was that in some country, some guy got beaten bloody at a movie theater for spoiling the uh, Revengers movie? Good. 
he was shouting out spoilers during the movie, and he got pummeled, like actually, actually injured. Excellent. You, you are a certain level of mentally ill or a hole to do that in mm-hmm. the theater. Well, in society, must uh, rise up and speak. <laughs> must say we don't approve of that. Right now, let me clobber you. New WAPO ABC poll out. Do you approve or disapprove of the way Donald Trump is handling his job as president? The old approval rating. They have him at 39%. Uh, he hangs around uh, 40 in the Washington Post poll. He's higher in some others. So we'll see. Um, Robert Mueller has completed his investigation of collusion. Do you feel the Mueller report was fair uh, and even-handed? Yes, fair and even-handed, 51%. No, 21 No opinion, 28 mm. So, uh, the majority of people think it was fair and even-handed. Does it make you think more positively of the Trump administration or make you think more negatively of the administration, or does it not change your opinion? The overwhelming plurality, not even close, no change of opinion, 60%. Hmm. Followed by more positively, uh, more negatively, 23, more positively, 11, no opinion, 7. But the clear winner was it had no effect on me. Well, I've been guilty of or am a victim of, depending on how you look at it, the very thing that I decry all the time. I had my perception shaped by the media as to what most people thought or, or even whether the Mueller report coming out made a big difference. And honestly, given what was in it, you'd think... It would have changed a lot of perceptions, but it didn't. No, no. The clear winner is, I mean, it's not even close even, is, uh, no, it had no effect on it. So, so most people think, yeah, I think it was fair. It didn't have any effect on me. Right. I mean, so all that, that's what yeah. you got. Yeah. You know, what? The, it just occurred to me what the media is doing, because they're desperate for something to get you to tune in. And they use fear and, and, and division and conflict to get you. Is there like a tease? Like, I'm watching the news, maybe, and there's a tease. The most incredible badminton play you've ever seen. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm not that into badminton. I mean, <laughs> the guy's probably diving for it. I don't know. Maybe you hit it real hard. But if it's the most incredible one of it, I guess I'll stay tuned. And so they're trying to get people who have that level of interest in... Like the Mueller report to stay tuned by constantly, breathlessly telling you that John Brennan, for instance. Oh, yeah. My sources tell me that uh, Trump told Cohen to lie and that there will be indictments this week. That's the equivalent to the greatest badminton play you've ever seen. Yeah, whatever. Doesn't change my opinion on anything. I'll give you two more that are kind of interesting and then we'll leave it alone. Taking a shuttlecock to the eye, huh? Do you think... Disappointing, painful. Do you think that Trump uh, obstructed justice... Or uh, interfered in the investigation in a way that uh, amounts to obstruction of justice. It's it's split pretty close, high forties to low forties, but within the margin of error, it's it's pretty close. So that'd be more or less the part of the country that supports Trump or hates him, mm-hmm. more or less, mm-hmm. um, is where that is. And then when you get down to this, based on what you now know, do you think Congress should or not uh, should or should not begin impeachment proceedings? And it's. 56 no, 37 yes. Almost a 20-point win for no impeachment. So after all that, most people it didn't change their mind. Mm-hmm. They think it was fair. They think they obstructed justice. I don't know. Half of us do, half of us don't. And then impeachment, no. That's where we are. 
That's, mm. that's where we are with this. And Nancy Pelosi has those same polls, which is why she's not enthusiastic either. Oh, you know, I have this around here somewhere. I think it's over here. Yeah. The New York Times is actually finally writing about the fact that um, the Steele dossier really smells like Russian disinformation. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. So Hillary hires old Chris Steele, pays for him to gather all this dirt. He's got Russian sources that the FBI and the Mueller team actually tracked down and sat down with a lot of the Steele's sources. And turns out that uh, a lot of the sources are saying, well, it's stuff I heard. I mean, no, I wasn't there, but a guy told me, and 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 you know, I don't remember where I heard. A lot of really vague stuff. And it's classic Russian, you know, two-thirds the truth, a third is a lie, disinformation. So Right, and it was never verified, and that's why Bob Woodward says, how did it end up in these high-level investigative reports? Right. With the CIA and everybody. We've Abs- got to figure that out. Absolutely a legitimate question, but what I'm getting at is the irony of... Yeah, this is more of Russia screwing with us. The whole Russian collusion thing was based in large part, and the surveillance of the Trump campaign was based on Russia itself and its misinformation. So they, I mean, they absolutely were yanking our chain into, you know, letting them yank our chain for another two years. But finally, the New York Times is admitting, yeah, the Steele dossier was beyond unverified, it was it was garbage and it was Russian propaganda. Well, where does that leave us? I it leads know. us Take with a poll. it leads us with Sean's thirty second Game of Thrones report, and then I've got a question about the Game of Thrones, even though I've never seen a second of the show. Let me know when we're beginning. I'll be oh. sticking my fingers in my ears you and saying listen. la 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 la. Oh, even absolutely though, even not. Even you're still you're playing s- catch up, right? Even though you're seasons yeah. away from this. You still don't want to hear what's going to happen. I'm uh, two thirds of a season away from here. Yeah, oh, you, really? Well, you're no, that close. but we're mid season, yeah, so I, I'm not going to. I don't want to know what happens in episode. Which one was this? This is the third episode of third, the of yeah. this season. Yeah. No, what no, was, what season not. are you on? Uh, seven. Yeah, this, you're this is eight. Yeah. yeah. So you've watched eight. a lot of episodes in just a couple weeks. Oh, ridiculous amount! It's dominated my life. <laughs> I'm starting to take sword fighting classes. I have the plague. Um, I'm really, really getting into it. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 3, The Long Night. A bit of a a pointer if you haven't watched it yet. Turn up the brightness on your TV because this shit is dark and not in the metaphorical storytelling way. Just the actual light in the show is non-existent. The Army of the Undead marches on to Winterfell as the strategy of the living seems uh, lacking in many ways. For starters, turns out the crypts are a bad place to hide when facing someone with the powers to raise the dead. (laughs) Furthermore, a criminal underuse of the dragons. You got Theon Greyjoy doing his best hot guy impression. And it's over. It was a 90-minute episode? Yes. Yes. So here's my... almost entirely battle. Oh, I should have kept my fingers in my ears. So here's my question. I actually knew that. It's supposed to be... Maybe the greatest battle scene ever filmed for any sort of movie, TV show, anything. It took them for the months and a gazillion dollars and all that sort of stuff. Certainly by the, the metrics of cost and scale and extras used and all that stuff. So it we is. got this text, and it's funny you mentioned uh, how dark it is. Um, watching Game of Thrones with my 18-year-old son, and I'm complaining how dark the battle scene is. Uh, he he said, well, why don't you call the internet and complain? I told him he truly is an Armstrong and Gideon fan. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, actually, I think somebody hit me with that. Was it Tim Sandifer over the weekend? Got an LOL out of me. Uh, yeah, the show is uniformly darker than it needs to be. So is and that, I don't mean in tone. I mean the lighting. <laughs> yeah. So is that one way to, to uh, convince people it's a great battle scene? It's so dark you can't really tell what's going on? Eh, part of it. Part of it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this was this episode was 
of it was very enjoyable. It was clearly a flex on every other quote unquote TV show, and just a reminder that you guys aren't playing the same game that we're playing. But it was uh, it, it ultimately it felt like a lot of a child banging his action figures into each other, and it didn't have the stuff of the show that made me a fan in the first place, which is the political intrigue, the kind of the backstabbing, the the, the fighting and posturing amongst the humans. I have I've seen Dark is like a band playing really, really loud. <laughs> you just, you can't tell if they're good. Right. <laughs> I have seen a lot of medieval shows and movies in my life where you can't, you can, you kind of see a face now and then, and then well, there's a sound of a sword, and I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's, it's incredibly difficult to put together, and maybe there's a guy you see his Nikes uh, in the background or whatever. <laughs> you, you darken it up a little, that's like a screw-up filter. It eliminates, you know, any visible, uh, you know, mess-ups. Imperfections in an incredibly difficult uh, craft. Only three episodes left. Well, oh, my. So I hope to go deeper on this a little bit later in the show. I actually haven't read this. Just looked at the headline from the New York Times because I worry about this all the time. An increasing body of evidence suggests that the time that we spend on our smartphones is harming our sleep, self-esteem, relationships, memory, attention spans, creativity, productivity, problem-solving, and decision-making skills. All of those things, there is science to prove that smartphone use is is harming. Every one of those. That list went by rather quickly, but those that I had a tenth of a second to contemplate, I agree completely. I'll hit you with it again because it is worth Absolutely. And again, there, there are scientific studies, at least one if not multiple, to back up the fact that smartphones are harming our sleep, self-esteem, taste buds, relationships. What are you, licking it? <laughs> memory. Phone liquor. Memory. I hadn't heard that one. Makes sense. I don't, need to, I don't need to remember anything. I can just Google stuff. Maybe that's it. Plus, um, we form memories when we're relaxing, when we're spacing off. Oh, and we never do that. Right. Attention spans, I know that one. Creativity, productivity, problem-solving, and decision-making skills. All are being harmed, according to science, by smartphones. If it were any other product, wouldn't they put a ban on it or at least a warning? Well, yeah, that's an interesting thought. If it were, yeah, if it were a candy or a, something you smoked. And I'd argue that it it hurts procreativity, too. Really? Having the, having the uh, sexy time. <laughs> having the sexy time. Maybe calling it sexy time hurts your sexy time. It could be, too. You're listening to The Armstrong and Getty Show.